it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Listeners, I am so glad you're here. Thank you very much. We are deep into January, as a matter of fact, almost at the end. And I hope your 2024 is moving along and looking promising. I have a treat for you. And it's, you know, I think it's important to realize that we're all sharing similar human kind of struggles, issues, joys. And my guest today is Mandy Blackford. She is just a delight. She is a bundle of creative energy, a bundle of positivity. She is somebody that I want you to meet if you don't know her. Mandy, in her words, is the cheeky glam ma'am behind the champagne fabulous brand of gifts and home decor. Through her brand, she encourages people of all ages to unabashedly be exactly who they want to be with her motto, age inappropriately. Just listen to that again. Age inappropriately. When you think about that, kind of makes you smile, right? Well, so will Mandy. A watercolor and acrylic artist previously selling under the brand Jet Set Barbie Art, Mandy took her creative career to the next level in 2022 when she launched the Champagne Fabulous brand with her first two original products on Amazon in the US, the UK, and Australia, which is no small feat. A pool float in the shape of a champagne bottle and a doorbell frame that says press for champagne is what she launched with. All when all while maintaining her demanding full-time day job as a hotel software product manager. Mandy just launched the Age and Appropriately show, a weekly video podcast where hilarious content will always come back to the underlying message of encouragement to have self-love, confidence, and live authentically. Mandy lives in Longview, Texas with her handsome husband, Aaron, and two pups, Jinx and Norbert. In her limited free time, she volunteers with the Longview Symphony Orchestra, enjoys costume parties, and is completely addicted to RuPaul's drag race. So the cool thing about Mandy is she's a just-do-it kind of person, and you'll hear um, as she starts out kind of telling us where she came from and ends up, well, you'll hear it, but if you see Mandy on the street. She'll stand out because she's wearing something bright and colorful. Her hair is pink. Her smile radiates across her face. And she's probably just grinning at you and looking at you with all sorts of possibilities. So believe it yourself, be who you are, be who you want to be and get a little bit more positive medicine from Mandy. Here she is. And here she is, Miss Champagne Fabulous herself. Can I announce you that way for your TED Talk or something? (laughs) Yes, please. Please do. I'm so glad to be sitting down with you finally, Mandy. I'm more than excited to be here. Who knew that when we were jumping on that tour bus together outside Anthropology, we'd be here today? I know. So I would love to share with our listeners a little history of how about you and yourself and how you went from, for example, being a blues singer in Chicago to launching your own brand. Uh, how long do we have? How many <laughs> details do you want? I grew up in Arkansas, and um, I was a very religious Southern Baptist girl. When I graduated high school, I thought that I wanted to marry a preacher. Perfect. And so I went to Washita Baptist University in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Small university. Uh, I think there were 1,600 students total when I was there. And... um. I, you know, wanted to marry a preacher. My thought was, 
I'll lead the singing and they'll do the preaching. And, you know, so I was majored in music my first year <laughs> and uh, I did not end up getting what they call the MRS degree that I was expecting when I went to college. I got a degree in theater instead. And when I was a theater major, our school had an exchange program with a school in England. My professor had done like some of his master's work there or something. So he started an exchange program where some of their students would come to our school and some of us would go over there. That's awesome. And when I went over there, I um, had gone on a Kentucky tour of Europe before school started because um, I wanted to see other countries while I was in the neighborhood. And that was so fun. Kentucky is a tour company that is for people that are ages 18 to 35 years old. And while I was on that tour, I thought, my gosh, this is a super fun job. How do I get this job? And I yeah. thought, I want to be a tour guide in Europe. But it was the 90s and yeah. there was no internet. I had no idea how to get like a work visa to work in another country. And so I just kind of let that fall out of my brain for a while. And um, but yeah, when I when I went overseas, that's probably one of you know, when you look back on your life, there's really key moments that kind of like change you and your direction and your even like the way that you think. That was one when you travel abroad, especially when you're that age, I turned 21 over there. Um, mm -hmm. It just blew my mind wide open yeah. that just because I was born in this place where everyone believed this. Yes. When I went over there, I realized like there's so many other cultures and countries and they have completely different beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they're all wrong or going to hell. <laughs> no. <laughs> Au contraire. As a matter of fact, it makes us look really hard at what we thought was right or wrong. Exactly. Oh my goodness. What a healthy and confusing lesson all at the same time. Indeed. When I got back, my parents did not know what to do with me. And I wasn't sure what to do with myself anymore. I couldn't, I didn't feel like yeah. I could live at home anymore, you know, because yeah. I was like, I've been all over the world. <laughs> well, there's something, isn't there, about, about that realization that, oh my gosh, there's so much more to see. I want to understand these cultures. I want to understand these people who are welcoming me with open arms no matter who I am and what I believe but do did I grow up that way and what does this mean and what can I do about it there's there's a lot of push me pull you when that starts to happen especially at that age and yay you for getting out there and and doing it yeah it it blew my mind wide open and totally gave me the wanderlust and I really wanted to travel so much after that and see so many different places and things and but I took that in my brain, I think, and thought, life is short. You never know when you're going to die. And I better have fun while I oh. can. I better take advantage of all of the opportunities that I can and do what I want to do. So I've always had this kind of sense of you only get one life and you better make the most of it. <laughs> What a good trait. It, you know, I love that. I feel like absolutely you're a doer, but you don't do it like, oh, I should do this. It more is from from somebody, you know, observing. It feels like, oh, my gosh, what a breath of fresh air. She just did it or does it or is going to try that. And it's an inspiration. It makes others around you think, oh, I could do that, too. Look what she did and look where she's going with that. And and it's like, what if you trip up. Well, then you trip up. But if you don't try, you won't know. It's that that age old adage. But, you know, there's some people that try things and seem unapproachable. You are absolutely not that you you're out there feeling very approachable. And like, I want some of that kind of kind of energy. And oh, so thank you. kudos to the things you've done. So wait, what did you do then? Spring break of my senior year, I had my parents take me to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love that. And um, I thought I want to pursue like a singing career. I want to live somewhere where 
I could be a lounge singer or something, you know, like the fabulous Baker Brothers, I think is the name of that movie where like Michelle Pfeiffer sings on top of a right, piano. On the piano. Like, that oh was gosh, what yeah. I that was what I always pictured myself doing. Wait, I just have I have to digress for a second. So this trip to Las Vegas with your parents to figure out if you could be a lounge singer. Like, how did that? I'm just imagining that would make the best movie ever. When they saw that you had this passion, were they Mandy, let's you've oh Mandy'll do it. Let's go help her figure that out. Or was it more like a oh my gosh, where can we go to check out a, this kind of career? Like, how did that go for you? Well, okay. So I I believe what I my plan was I could move to either Las Vegas, Nashville. You know, I was thinking of places where I could start a singing career of some sort. Maybe Austin was on the list. I don't know. I had like two or three places and my dad likes to play blackjack and I thought, well, we could go to Las Vegas and dad can gamble and it'll be fun for my, I have a sister who's five years older than me and mom, you know, likes to tag along with, you know, they traveled a lot, my parents. And I just thought I could go, the family can enjoy, you know, it'll be like a family vacation. I don't know how I talked him into it, but I talked him into it. We love it. And I was talking to one of the bartenders there and he said, I make $85,000 a year. And I was, this is 1994 or five. And I was like, $85,000 a year. (laughs) I'm a bartender at Red Lobster in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I could make $85,000 a year. What? So I was convinced. I was like, yes, I'm going to move out here as soon as I'm done with college and just not use my brain. So I was like, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to pull down a a quick 85 G's. (laughs) going to be no problem. (laughs) Then I'll figure out what I want to do. But I thought, you know, if I go there and I don't like it, I can come home, live with my parents, save up some more money and then go try Nashville or something else. So I moved to Las Vegas, but then I did eventually meet someone in my apartment complex who worked at one of the non-union properties that's on the state line between Nevada and California. He w- he worked in the outlets and catering. So he said, come work for me and you can kiss up to the beverage manager basically and maybe eventually get a bartending job there because you're never going to get one on the strip unless you already have casino bartending experience they didn't care if you had regular bartending experience so i did that i worked on state line i eventually became a bartender it was not all that i dreamed of and i certainly made nowhere near eighty-five thousand dollars a year and one day i saw a kentucky tour bus driving through the parking lot and i thought oh right they do tours in america I don't have to live in Europe to be a tour guide for them. I could do it in America. And I got the 1-800-Kentucky number off the back of the bus and I called. (laughs) And it's a perfect timing. We're interviewing for our next training class right now. Come to Los Angeles for an interview. And so I went for that. I became a tour guide. That was super fun. I did that for a couple of years. Then I decided that I was what, 26 or 27 at that time. And I was like, I'm getting older. I I need to pursue my singing career if I'm ever going to be a singer. So after my second year of doing tour guiding, I decided that I was going to move to Austin. So the lady that I worked for had a postcard on her wall that looked really cool. And I was like, what is this? And it was from a trade show she had been to for the brand new House of Blues Hotel that was opening in Chicago. She was from Chicago. And she said, oh my God, that's the new House of Blues Hotel. They're opening in Chicago. It's going to be so cool. And she was not happy at her job. And I was not happy either. And we both faxed our resumes to the House of Blues Hotel in Chicago. Oh my gosh. I had totally forgotten that we even did that. And a couple of months later... I had a an an- message on my answering machine when I got home. I'm like totally, you know, taking us back in time, fax machines and answering machine. <laughs> and they said, can you be here on Wednesday for an interview? And I said, sure. And I hung up. It was Monday. And I was like, how the hell am I going to get to Chicago by Wednesday? <laughs> I just got in my car and started driving and went to Chicago and uh, got hired as a sales assistant at the House of Blues Hotel. And 
moved up there. And while I was working there, I would go to open mic night at Buddy Guy's Blues Club. And I had told all of the people I was working with that I wanted to be a singer. And one night we all went out right before the hotel opened and there was a band there and somebody paid them 20 bucks to let me sing. And I sang Rolling on the River and they all went nuts, but we were all really inebriated. (laughs) The boss then came. They knew that I went to Buddy Guys pretty much every Monday night and my boss came one night to that and I she told me later that she thought I was an amazing singer at the party but she was afraid that she was remembering incorrectly because we were all drunk so she came to hear me at buddy guys and you know was like right you really can sing so then she <laughs> called me into her office and she was kind of a firm boss you know I was a little intimidated by her and I was like oh my god what is wrong am I in trouble and she said I'm gonna make you a star she said We're going to start having entertainment in the hotel lobby on New Year's Eve. And we've hired this band, but we told them that they were only allowed to play if they would let you sing. And I was like, what? And so I worked up some songs with these people. And that was like my audition for them, I guess. But they didn't tell me. I just thought, cool. You know, I get to sing on New Year's Eve. And after that went well, then she said, okay, we want to start having entertainment every weekend and you're in charge of it. So then through that job of being a sales assistant there, I was using some hotel software and I met the people who trained us on the software and I ended up working for the software company. And that's who I still work for today. Uh, I started working for them in 2004 and we make hotel software for hotel sales. And I started out as a trainer and that's when I got the nickname Jet Set Barbie from my friends because (laughs) every Sunday, pretty much, I would fly to whatever hotel had purchased the software. Mm -hmm. And from Monday to Friday, I would go train the people at the hotel on the software in one of their banquet rooms. And then I would fly home Friday night, roll my suitcase up to the washer, wash, dry, repack and go back to the airport on Sunday and go to the next place. So I did that for several years. And now I'm a product manager. That's Uh, awesome. Yeah. uh, I've been working for that company for almost 20 years now. And that has given me so many opportunities to travel and see amazing places. And yeah, I've been very lucky to get to travel so much. I've gotten to go to Japan and Australia. And you know, that's a great example of because I think often as creatives in life, we think, how can I make this my job? But sometimes maybe a better question is, how can I integrate this into my life so that my job that I actually like and, and is is we get along well, my job and I can can continue, but you can weave your creative passions, needs, whatever into that. And then because the job is taking you places, it just expands your mind to to the other opportunities. What a what a what a perfect platform. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know I was as creative as I am while I was doing that job for the most part because I was just working all the time, <laughs> traveling all the yeah. time yeah. and um no time for anything else. Right. Like just really living my work. And so I was single until I was 41. I had never found a preacher or any other Southern man (laughs) that could handle me (laughs) or any man anywhere. And then I married a guy that I'd known in junior high because we were both tagged in a Facebook post from 25 years earlier. We went to church together and uh, our youth director put a picture from 1985 on Facebook. I hadn't seen him or his family. They moved away to Texas and I hadn't seen them and or thought about them in like 25 years. And all of a sudden we were tagged in this picture and I was like, oh, I remember him. I had thought he was cute uh, in <laughs> junior high. And <laughs> we messaged each other. And two months later, we were engaged. And- oh, my gosh. Yeah. So after I got married, I really kind of wanted to spend more time at home. So I moved to a job that was work from home, but with Mm. the same company. 
finally in 2017. And uh, I had moved to Texas to live where my husband was from in Longview. And because he had a job that I was working remotely, you know, I could work from anywhere. And he had a job here. And so when we got married, I moved down here. But because I traveled so much, I didn't really know anyone. But my hairdresser and my dentist, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so when I stopped traveling, I thought I need to make some friends around here. And I had done some of those, you know, painting with a twist where you bring your own wine and sure. paint something. I did one and I was like, I don't totally suck at this. I, I like this painting thing. That's fun. So I thought, well, I'll sign up. Let me see if I can find some painting lessons or something and maybe meet some people that way. So I Googled painting lessons Longview. There was a, a continuing education class at the community college here that was starting in like, you know, two weeks. And so I signed up for that. And uh, it was a watercolor class. The man who was teaching that class was friends with the housekeeping director from Chicago, where I worked. Oh, my like, gosh. Totally small world. So one night for class, he took us on a field trip to the Watercolor Society meeting, which was held at the museum. And I was like, what? There's a museum in Longview? We have our own art museum. They have wow. this great place next door that called Artworks. And they have, you know, all sorts of classes there. For people of all, you know, sometimes they have kids classes, sometimes they have adult workshops. It's just amazing. So I met people there that I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my people. You know, like yeah. I was meeting uh -huh. creative people that I really enjoyed. And so then I just started signing up for every workshop that they held. And I got totally sucked into art and took all sorts of different classes, you know, colored pencils and watercolor and acrylic and whatever and just started getting totally sucked into to art and buying art supplies and so I had no idea until I was 46 that I could even do art at all I always knew I was creative I like to do projects and random things but I never thought that I was any good at drawing or painting but just like anything else if you really like something and get sucked in and practice, I discovered that I loved it. And I just, you know, I started doing every YouTube tutorial that I could and just really immersed myself in it for a few years and loved it. Wait, I think one of the lessons about that is just show up as yourself. And I mean, obviously, sometimes we feel like ourselves as a might be a person that's quiet and 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 nervous to go talk to anybody. But I keep trying to tell this to my 15-year-old. If you ask, if you put yourself out there, that's how you make things happen. If you start a conversation, if you ask the question, if you show interest in that person, if you, you know, talk about yourself or whatever it might be, that's how you enter into something. That's how you... It, because also you're genuine, Mandy, and you're not like, oh my gosh, look at me. Look at me, look at me. It's more like, oh, hey, who are, you know, you're genuine, genuinely interested in that person. And so that that's what creates that room for conversation. So I think, you know, it's no mistake that you were chosen to work, learn with Andy Meehan and, you know, be somebody I would be interested in talking to again and again because you're just you. So I think that's a great lesson. And, and I'm sure all along the way in the various jobs you you have had and being chosen to at House of Blues to have a job created for you, say, and and I'm sure in the job you have now that you've had for almost 20 years, you're there and you've moved into the different roles you've had because you you're dependable, you're fun, you create something out of nothing. I mean, you've come to me with some fantastic ideas. Stay tuned, people. And and I just, <laughs> you know, I just love that, Mandy. And I think, you know, in each of those roles, we learn, right? We have lessons that we carry forward. I imagine that going to Art Biz Jam was another thing, another experience that shaped your approach to your creative endeavors. Um, that is you know, absolutely another one of those moments that totally changed my life. It yeah. absolutely changed the trajectory of my entire life going to that mm. conference. And because how? I had no idea that there were nine million different ways to make money with art. 
it flabbergasted me. I think mm-hmm. it was the first session on the first day where we're actually like in the meetings. Somebody asked, raise your hand if you are a full-time artist or, you know, like you make your living from art. And everyone except for me and my friend <laughs> uh, raised their hand. And it was, you know, 51 people that attended that year. And I was like, what? I didn't realize that you could actually <laughs> make a, a living at art. Like my roommate in college was an art major. And I would be like, you're never going to get a real job. Because, you know, I heard that from my parents. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's just what everybody and I've heard you say this so many times on your podcast too like you majored in graphic design because you didn't think that you could make money being an artist and mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was meant to believe or you know led to believe it back then like I made fun of her and was like you're never gonna get a real job you're never gonna support yourself that way and I wish that I had learned i wish i'd known earlier you know so much about artwork but uh i mean i i don't regret the the way that my life went i love all the things that i've done and the opportunities that i've had and whatever but we don't know what we don't know you know exactly yeah and then you put yourself in in the positions to you know actually it's not really you put yourself it's like oh i'm interested in this what does it mean and then you listen to that voice in yourself, right? You listen to the mm-hmm. UBU thing, which I love to say, which is, oh, this, these are my people. Like you said about the the watercolor study, these are my people. And yep. how can I be around more people like that? And yep. and maybe that's not who, maybe that's not who my family is. Maybe that's not who I surround myself every day at work, but those can be my, my people, people, you know, the chosen mm-hmm. family, as one could say. And I think just meeting you there, Mandy, and seeing your work, you've really leaned in and your, your pieces show it too. what the work you do now is on your web- website. Was it last week looking around and thought, Holy cow, I haven't seen your work in a while. And it's, <laughs> it's really great. You're doing such great things and so many great things. And it, that's just such a great example of taking your experience, taking what is a passion and leaning in and doing it. Like you said, you, you, you don't just become a painter. You have to practice. You have to lean in. You have to do it. And you've done that. I'd love to know a little bit about about that. Like, what did you decide to do after that conference with with your ideas? So, you know, I learned I, I had no idea what print on demand was before I went to that. And, you know, like even the, and not just the things that I learned while I was there. It was the community of people that I met there as well. And when I got back home and I was like. I have no idea, you know, uh, I'm going to, my friend talked me into having a booth at the Christmas market that year. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea, like, am I supposed to charge taxes? Like I had never sold oh, yeah. any of my artwork before. So I'm like, am I supposed to charge tax? Do I have to do that? You know? So I just asked in the Art Biz Jam Facebook group, like, what am I supposed to do for taxes? And somebody said, here, sign up for this course. Mm-hmm. And paper and spark uh you know and that taught me everything i needed to know about getting my tax id and you know all of that stuff so mm-hmm. just that community every time i started doing something new or thinking how do i get my artwork on a mug mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. even know how to do that somebody would give me a link to upload your stuff mm-hmm. on Zazzle or whatever and you can get stuff printed and then it just all snowballed into all these different things and because there's so many things that you can do I would learn a little bit about this and learn a little bit about that and I would try different things all the time and some of them were not as successful as others but it's all a learning experience you know and um so I uh learned from one of the other people that I had met at Art Biz Jam that she had started um selling stuff on Amazon and she just made a set of thank you cards and she said on this call that we were on I sold $11,000 worth of cards in 3 months and I was like what? 
So uh, I messaged her immediately after that call. And I was like, what are you talking about? How did you learn how to do that? So she gave me the information about the master class, mastermind group, whatever it's called that uh, she had taken. So I signed up for that and uh, started learning about how to uh, sell things on Amazon. And it with, because I also have a very demanding day job, I was fitting those classes in, you know, at night and on the weekends. And um, what people who can invest all of their time all day can probably get done in three to six months. It took me about a year to from when I first started taking the class till my first product launched on Amazon. Because selling on Amazon is like getting a freaking master's degree. It's so mm-hmm. much more than you would ever dream. Very complicated. Right. And I'm not talking about like Amazon handmade. It's yeah. the the pro- program that I did was called FBA Fulfilled by Amazon, where I kind of created my own product. I found a manufacturer in China to make the product. And uh, then I shipped it to Amazon. And for you to be considered for the prime badge to show up on your listing, you have to like ship your inventory to Amazon, keep it in their warehouse. And that's why it's called fulfilled by Amazon FBA because they ship it. So to get into that program, that program is very hard. (laughs) A lot of hoops to jump through and steps to take. I mean, like I put together a checklist for a little, you know, talk that I give sometimes for people that are thinking about it. And it's two pages and not only I haven't counted up the steps, but you know, probably like yeah, a lot. 40, 40 steps. And that's just the big categories. <laughs> like each one of those right. probably takes 10 steps inside of it. So it's right. it's a lot. Hey, creative friends. If you're a lifelong learner like me, when a new year starts, you are probably looking for a new creative adventure. If you're looking for one that will take your creativity to new heights, let me recommend Beth Buffington's online course, Learn the Art of Procreate. Procreate is an amazing app for drawing and painting on your iPad. It will explode your creativity to new heights. With Procreate's portability, you can draw and paint with the messiest art supplies anywhere, the car, the park, your couch, the airport, because it's all in your lap on your iPad. And Beth's class will teach you how to get your artwork out of your iPad and into the world, onto products, or prepped for that dream licensing agent. You'll discover that you can take your creative business or side hustle to places you didn't know were possible. Here's a quote from one of Beth's visionary Procreate students. I have had the most remarkable summer. I thought I was signing up for a class about the ins and outs of Procreate, but it was so much more than I could have ever imagined. I was able to learn more about marketing my artwork and taking my illustration career to the next level. I can't thank Beth enough for her encouragement, kindness, and support. I've never had someone see my work so clearly and inspire me to be bold and take a leap. Thank you, Beth. You've changed my life forever. So if you're curious about really learning Procreate, join Beth Buffington for her online course, Learn the Art of Procreate. Enrollment opens on January 22nd and class begins on January 31st. And join Beth for one of her six free Procreate workshops in January. To get all the dates and registration info, go to www.bdi-create.today backslash windowsill. I'm going to say that one more time. wwwbdi dash create dot today backslash windowsill. If you check out the Create Today site before enrollment begins, just hop on the wait list for special gifts. Just imagine what you could create today with Procreate. But that was another thing where you said you took this class, you learned about it, you were curious about it, you wanted to do that. So you designed a couple of things, very different types of things to to get them in there. And how how did you decide what to do? Okay, so they teach you that in the class. There's this um, software that you use called Helium 10. You use that to search. When you have that, it's like a Chrome plugin. You search on Amazon for a product that you are thinking that you might want to oh, make. That's right. That's right. And the Helium 10 like puts a little thing above each listing to tell you like, 
how many of those have sold in the last 30 days? How many people have searched for this product in the last 30 days? And it's crazy, like Mm -hmm. all of the information that it gives you. So you try to find something that people are already searching for, but not too much competition. So like you don't want to try to sell a phone case because there's a million people doing that already and huge companies that can buy, you know, three million at a time for one cent piece. Yeah. And right. So they can charge a lot less than if you're just trying to get started. And so there's all this research that you have to do before you decide on your product. And once you think you found it, then you look through the reviews of the products that are already on there and you try to find something that people are complaining about that you can fix with your product. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting. for my 50th birthday, I went to this restaurant in Dallas and in the booth, there was this little plaque that said press for champagne and there was a doorbell in it. And my friends and I were like, if we press it, are they really going to bring a champagne? Will they charge us for it? What do we do? It didn't actually work, but it was this super cute. <laughs> the idea was you know, so good. Yes. Uh, we just thought it was so cute. And I thought, ooh, maybe I, that could be my product. And so I searched to see if anybody was already selling those on Amazon. There was one listing for a press for champagne doorbell thing. But I also looked on Etsy and there were lots of people selling them there. And I read all of the reviews and all of them were like, it's really cute, but it doesn't actually ring. I wish that it actually, you know, made a doorbell sound. So I decided that's going to be my product. And, you know, I drew up a fancy frame, but I was like, I'm mine. It's going to have things where you can switch it out. So if you don't want it to say press for champagne, you can make it say press for coffee or cocktails or whatever, because there were different versions of the bell. You know, there were also people were selling ones like the little desk bell at a mm-hmm. hotel where you go Bing, and they yeah. said, you know, like press for whatever. So I thought of, you know, all these different ways, like how would you be able to change the wording? And I ended up um, designing it to be sort of like a picture frame with just, you know, a card in it that says press for champagne. But then I ship with five cards. One of them says cocktails, champagne, coffee, wine and room service. But you can also, you know, make it say whatever you want. So I have a little template on my website that you can download and put it if you want, because it's got the nice little art deco kind of design on it that makes it fit in with the frame. But you could totally, you know, just draw one yourself or print it out on your own computer, you know, like and make it say whatever you want. So I made it ring and I made the the text um, customizable. So that was my improvement on the product. Love that. So then that became a product which led to your branding. Yes. So you don't have to, but to get what's called brand registry, you have to prove to them that you have at least applied for trademark for your brand. And so my art business had always been called Jets at Barbie Art. And I was like, that's got to be my company name. But when I applied for trademark, you cannot get anything trademarked that has the word Barbie in it. So I had to change my name of my company. And um, that's when I became Champagne Fabulous. Because the Champagne Bell prompted the brand, which prompted the pool float, yes. which is a, an amazing champagne bottle, which prompted <laughs> then the marketing campaign, which then just kind of became your persona, I feel like. But uh, is that you. is that how that happened? Did, that, did, you, did you think, oh, I, I'd like to do another product? How about this? Well, so in the in the mastermind, they said, you know, you want to make a brand and you want to have multiple products and you want the same person or the same shopper to want to mm-hmm. buy all of the products that you make. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the process of getting the champagne doorbell made. But yes, COVID it took me a really long time to get that done because the factory shut down during COVID and, you know, I would get to where I would think, Oh, it's almost done. And then, yeah, you know, factory shut down for like 51 days or something. And then we had to find a different factory and, you know, just took forever. So while I was going back and forth with my sourcing agent in China, trying to get that doorbell made, I thought, 
I'll go ahead and start working on my second product. And um, I have a swimming pool and I thought it would be fun to have a floaty in the shape of a champagne bottle. And I looked to see if there were any of those and there were a couple, not too many. And um, that's how a lot of things that I make, even like print on demand, it's something that I think I want a doormat that says, welcome, bitches. And I didn't find any that I thought were cute. So I drew one and made it on, you know, one of the print on demand companies. And now everybody, every time somebody comes to my door, they're like, I love your doormat. Like, Thanks. <laughs> you can have you can your buy own. one right here. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I wanted to make a, I wanted a pool floaty in the shape of a champagne bottle. And, uh, I didn't find one that I thought, you know, was as cute as I wanted. So I drew my own and uh, there was somebody in my mastermind class who was making like a blow up tanning bed. And so I messaged her and I was like, do you mind giving me the name of your manufacturer? I'm going to make something that's completely different, not competing with you. And she gave me the name of her man manufacturer and I sent my thing off to her and Actually, the pool floats got done way yeah. faster, and I launched those first instead of the doorbell frame, which was actually the product that I thought of first mm -hmm. because it just was easier to get it done, and it wasn't as custom. And I feel like that was all. That's also a lesson in it doesn't always have to be from scratch. You know, it's it's part of how your brand presents itself and who you're wanting to attract. Like you learned in class, like if they're going to buy this product, what else will they buy? And I feel like the, the main thing though, is that it goes so well with who you are. It's not like you, you decided to, to make something that didn't fit you at all. You really oh, for made sure. something that you would want. And that's why it's so fun to watch you sell your product or talk about your product or, or kind of be your brand. And I feel like why then it's led to some, some new and exciting things. Yes. Um, well, I decided myself that I wanted to do something that I was really passionate about that I would buy myself, yeah. you know, something that I would want to buy. Um, a lot of people in the mastermind group, the Amazon group were, you know, like making diaper bags and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them had little kids and they were stay at home moms and they were doing child focused things. And, but some of them were just like trying to find anything that fit the formula and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that they weren't necessarily in love with, but I mm -hmm. knew that I didn't want to waste mm -hmm. my time. Cause I have a, day job and so i'm doing this on the side and it has to be like a passion project for me to keep going and yeah. really keep keep up with it because yeah. it's hard doing all of that on the side when you have a full-time day job too so yeah i i definitely decided that on purpose to to do only a product that i was really passionate about that i thought was super fun and that i would actually buy myself yeah and i and i know again that selling on amazon has been a learning because there's a lot that goes into getting your product in front of people. Costs and, so much more than you ever dream. Yeah. To um, advertise on physically there. And, and money and everything. Oh, yeah. And th but then I think, you know, we connected again at another conference, Alt Summit, which is you took that opportunity as a learning for yourself, but a marketing opportunity. And that worked right away, it felt like. Yeah, I, I that was really fun. So it, it's been so many different lessons learned with the whole Amazon uh, endeavor. When I started working on the pool float, you know, it was spring. And by the time I went back and forth, by the time they were actually ready to be sold on Amazon, it was late September. So mm -hmm. end of summer here. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. Know, it takes a long time. Wrong season. Putting product out into the world is not an easy thing to do like Especially that. Especially when it's a seasonal product. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I had been sitting on all of this all winter. And then uh, our friend Kathy O talked me into going to Alt Summit. And 
I was like, oh, it's in March and that'll be right before summer. And I can do like this big relaunch of the floats because then it's going to be time to actually, you know, like go gangbusters and people will Mm -hmm. actually start buying them. So they have what's called a gifting party at Alt Summit. And I just messaged and said, can I get in on this gifting party thing? And I was so nervous because, you know, I, it, it's not cheap to ship all those there. And then I'm like, what if people don't take them all? Then I'm going to have to ship them somewhere else. <laughs> I'm going to wait. And waste how long did money. it take you to sell out, basically? Um, Five minutes. I was the first <laughs> table to get rid of all of my inventory at the gifting party. And it was, I believe I looked at my watch and it was 14 minutes after they opened the door. <laughs> Because and it's a I fabulous was so product. Encouraged. Yeah. And I it was, was in so front encouraged. of the right people. So let's talk about Mandy has a brand new podcast. Very proud of you. Mandy has just been in shared studio sessions, the mastermind, where we kind of pushed her to just dream a little sooner, maybe on the podcast. But it's all based around something that I think was birthed because of Champagne Fabulous, would you say? And because of you and who you are in the world. So tell tell me about that. So I thought of this phrase while I was starting the Champagne Fabulous brand and I had taken a media workshop from Beth Nydick, who I met through your creative community. I thought, I don't need media attention right now, but someday I will want want it, I guess. And so I'll just why not take this class and learn what she has to say? And she was, you know, saying that if you do get on a podcast or on a Good Morning America or whatever, that you can't just get on there and talk about your products. You need to have some sort of a story. And the other people that were in the workshop were like, I work for, you know, a charity organization and we're curing cancer and you know like they had these very worth worthwhile worthy causes and i was like i just want to sell pretty sparkly fun pink things (laughs) (laughs) but then after i took that class and i was thinking about conversations that i have with people all the time about my pink hair Mm -hmm. and about the crazy outfits that i wear and they're like i could never pull that off and I'm like, yes, you could. Why Why are you saying that? You, I didn't think I could either, but I just buy the things that I like and there you go. So I was thinking that that could be how I, you know, encourage people because I'd been doing it already in just conversations with, with people in general. Like, yeah, you don't need to worry about what people think about you. Just wear what you want and do what you want. And somehow I came up with the phrase age inappropriately. And then that became my motto. And now it's my podcast. I love that. Do you have like a an elevator sentence for age inappropriately? Like if you were explaining to somebody like why that's important, what comes up for you? Because I, I think it's such a good saying. Yes. So I wish that I had learned much earlier than I did not to worry about what other people think. I used to be very concerned about it. And somewhere in my late 40s, around the same time that I you know, started painting, I realized that worrying about what p- other people think was just holding me back from doing what I really wanted to do. And it kind of started with the pink hair. And I was worried about it a because i have an aunt that i (laughs) love very much but she had told one of my other aunts that if she my other aunt my aunt said that she wanted our hair purple and my other aunt said if you do you're never coming to have dinner at my house again oh and i was like oh no aunt mary (laughs) now will banish me from family dinner if i get pink hair so i was very worried about being banished from the family the first few weeks when I had pink hair, I would also kind of make an excuse. People would be like, oh, you, you're, I like your pink hair. And I'd be like, I'm an artist. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I'm an artist. I'm an arty person. So it's okay for me to have crazy hair, you know, <laughs> and I felt like I needed to make excuse. But the, it only took me a, a couple of weeks. And then I was yeah. like, just say thank you. 
and just rock it, own it. And once I started having that attitude, I just say, thank you so much. I think the more courage that I have or the more confidence and the more comfortable I am with it, the more accepting other people are too. And you present yourself as exactly how you want to be. And the more I started doing that, when I cared so much about what other people thought, nobody ever complimented about my outfit or anything. Mm. Mm. And then once I said, I don't care what other people think, I'm going to have pink hair, I'm going to wear crazy outfits because that's what I like. I cannot walk out of the house without people saying, oh my God, I love your glasses, I love your hair, I love your outfit. And I wish that I had realized that earlier. And I want the whole world to understand that you shouldn't be judging other people on things that don't affect you. If what someone is doing is not harmful to anyone else, who gives a shit? You know, like, why do I need to fill my brain up and worry about that and think anything about them? Mind your own business. Unnecessary. And I know this is, you know, it's so prevalent now that we can hide behind so many things online to, to that people say these things out loud. It just blows my mind, the negativity or the judgmental kind of things that are said and spread. And I, I love Mandy that you kind of explained it in that way where you were kind of making excuses for yourself for your own comfort level. And then you were like, Hey, I'm going to own it. And it's not like, People look at you and say, oh, my gosh, look at her. People are like, I want a, I want a piece of her. I just think it's going to snowball. We need that message. We need to be told that it's okay. Give them permission to be yourself. And, and I'm giving you permission. And look, I have years of stories to tell you about how it can work, how it can pay off, how it can make you feel better, how you don't have to live the life society's telling you or you are telling you or anybody else was you can go inside say this is what i feel and then sparkle it sprinkle it and you know spread it around and i I just love that you you do that thank you very much i gave an age inappropriately talk to a group and when i was putting it together i thought nobody's gonna care about this you know like nobody cares about me and why i have pink hair I don't know how this is going to go. And at the end of it, they were like, oh, my gosh, you should do a TED Talk. You need to write a book. Everyone needs to hear this. And I was like, really? What? And I really do want to help other people realize that they don't have to put off their dreams. They don't have to or that they shouldn't stop themselves from doing things just because they're worried about what other people are going to think. I want people of all ages to to get this message that, you know, because when I was younger, it was even worse, right? You know, you're really worried about what other people mm-hmm. think and all the peer pressure. I mean, isn't that, doesn't it really, shouldn't it really start as a children's book? Like you can be anybody you want to be. And, and you are, you're hearing as you put it out there that that's what's resonating louder than anything else. And I think, you know, the other interesting thing about it is you can do all this and keep your day job and, you know, try things that do or don't work out. And, you know, it doesn't mean everything has to be perfect. Quite the opposite. It just means the more you show up as yourself, the more you're going to enjoy your every day, no matter what you're doing. It's pretty magical. Yes. I feel like I'm on the verge of making all of my dreams come true with this. And the beautiful thing is that I really think that I can help people yeah. feel better about themselves and have courage to achieve things that they really want. Yeah. Oh, Mandy, that's so good. I'm so glad that you're creating another space for people to show up as themselves. Tell people where they can find you. So my podcast is also a video. Yeah. It's a video podcast. Because you know Mandy, she dives right in. I love that. 
I'm very visual and you can watch the video on Spotify or on YouTube, but then the audio version will be available on all the regular podcast platforms. Um, And then I have a website, champagnefab.com. Love it. And I'm on all of the, you know, social media platforms is champagne fabulous or champagne fab we'll all be in the show note i love it and tell me of course who's inspiring you so on my who's inspiring me list i put rupaul love it so (laughs) appropriate i am a total rupaul's drag race addict rupaul in case anyone who's listening doesn't know is a drag queen that has been famous since the 80s And he started a competition show. It is hilarious and a bunch of foolishness, but it is so mind-blowing listening to all of them talk about how they were bullied when they were young and how they got over it by doing drag. And you hear all these stories about them and what they went through. And listening to all of those at the same time as I have been trying to start my own business and determine the pathway for my future. The way that he encourages them, I also have gotten into my brain. And he says things like, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Mm. And it's so true. You have to start with yourself, Mm. accepting yourself and not judging yourself. Yep. And then make sure that you also don't judge other people and the that theme over and over with these drag queens really has helped me in my journey the past few years i love that i mean i really think that it fits so well that his messaging you've learned from and and embraced and it's something you already embody anyway i believe the second person i put was ashley longshore that makes perfect sense (laughs) Right? I had never heard of her. And all of a sudden, my aunt, who was a kindergarten teacher, oddly enough, had seen her interviewed on Good Morning America or something and sent me a link. She was like, do you know this person? She reminds me of you. And I watched that interview. And then I started digging in and I was like, oh, my God, she's doing exactly what I want to do. You know, like she's making crazy, colorful, fun artwork she uses the f word a lot in her artwork which i actually say a lot in my real life i'm a terrible (laughs) potty mouth but i i really can't embarrass my mother by putting that in my artwork very much but (laughs) well i want to be like ashley longshore minus the f word as much well she just Um, lives out loud (laughs) she lives so out loud it's great yes and she she is uh hilarious and crazy and makes really cool artwork and and that is exactly what i want to be doing and then the other person that i put is Lori siebert our mutual friend perfect i spent a lot of time with Lori siebert this year i signed up for her uh trip to france and um she is one of the creators of art biz jam i just love that woman so much her heart you know is so honest and pure and she's so encouraging and so nice to be around she's so authentic yes she means it you know like she loves everyone and she loves what she does and she loves teaching and i just felt so rejuvenated spending you know i i spent two or three weeks in a row with her this year and i'm watching her make her dreams come true too she wants to uh, travel and um, make art. And she's doing a lot of different retreats where she's teaching art in different parts of the world. And, um, you know, I, when I see what she's doing every day on Instagram, I'm like, I want to go. I wish I was there with her, like taking that clay <laughs> class and, you know, everything that she's doing. I'm like, I just want to follow her around and do what she does all day because it's so <laughs> fun. And I would love to have a similar lifestyle eventually yeah. traveling and being able to create beautiful things all day with people that 
enjoy doing the same thing. It can happen. I mean, she she worked hard to get there. You're working hard to get there. Again, it's setting your sights on it. It's it's saying it out loud. It's saying this is who I am. This is who I'd like to be. This is how I'd like to play. This is who I want to play with. And you're a perfect example of how that can happen. And I'm so glad we have a place to listen to you talk about that. And I'm just so glad that you came on and spread a little of your sparkle here. Thank you, Margo. I'm very, very honored. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share and very, very excited about everything. Thanks, Mandy. Yeah, stay tuned. Mandy and I are cooking up some good things for y'all and more to come for sure. And I'm interviewing you and your sister and yes. your mother on my podcast. Yes, there'll be something. That's I, That was such a good idea. So the three of us generationally uh, will be on Mandy's podcast shortly too. And we'll let you know exactly when that is. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Margo. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.